Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Things are getting pretty dark in Trump world as the former president privately frets about the fact that he's likely going to end up behind bars. Despite his bluster and claims that he doesn't think about the possibility, sources inside say that Trump is fucking obsessed with ending up in the slammer. When Donald Trump sat down for an interview with Meet the Press that aired on Sunday, host Kristen Welker asked him, when you go to bed at night, do you worry about going to jail? Trump responded, no, I don't really. I don't even think about it. I'm built a little differently. I don't even think about it. But according to a new report, the four-time indicted ex-president has very much thought about the prospect of going to prison and, in fact, has some very specific concerns about doing time. The Rolling Stone reports that over the past several months, Trump is taking to asking members of his inner circle if they think he'll be forced to wear one of those jumpsuits behind bars. Now understand this, Trump is a notorious germaphobe who was most likely born in a suit and tie and he's right now having nightmares of having to trade his business attire and golf shirts for classic prison duds. The thought of him wearing an orange jumpsuit to match his skin, truthfully, has me smiling ear to ear. Plus, as someone who has actually worn the jumpsuit, let me be very clear about this, they're fucking terribly uncomfortable. So let's just say that the prison laundry service, well, they're not too big on fabric softener. And in addition, according to the outlet, the ex-president has wondered aloud if several things. First, he'll be sentenced to do time in a club fed-style prison. For example, a relatively cushy place that white-collar criminals have historically been sent to. Or if he'll be sent to a bad prison. So first of all, let me be clear about something. Even a club fed is a fucking terrible place to be. These aren't cushy places by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it is better than being sent to Attica or San Quentin, that's certainly for sure, because those places are gladiator pits. But even a so-called club fed has all the potentials for prison violence. You're still locked behind bars, watching your life waste away. So believe, even if Trump goes to one of these places, it will be a source of deprivation for the mango Mussolini. And number two, if there is a chance that he get lucky and only get house arrest. So let me be clear about this. I've said this many times. Personally, I don't mind if Trump does. 
only because Trump has secrets. He was briefed multiple times a week on government secrets, and I care more about protecting America than I do about having that ear-to-ear smile of Trump being locked behind bars wearing an orange jumpsuit. But many people say that there's no chance in hell that he's going to get house arrest. If the man is found guilty, that he's gonna go to fucking prison. End of story. Now they say that for the sole purpose of explaining that government right now is trying to show that there is a one-tier system of justice, not two. And if Trump only gets home confinement, well, that proves that there is a two-tier system. Hence the reason he's gonna go to fucking prison, period. End of story. And number three on his mind, will the government try to strip him of Secret Service protection? I mean, this is an interesting question and one that I have often pondered. If Trump is sentenced to prison, will they actually send the Secret Service in there to protect him? Well, the likely answer is that if he is found guilty of these crimes, that he will be stripped of his Secret Service detail by an act of Congress. Now that said, there is no law in the books. So technically, if Trump does go down, the Secret Service might be going with him. I mean, can you imagine pulling that detail? I mean, who do you even send? This is all so fucking unprecedented. I mean, it could be the case that they go in while they're in and they're out about watching his back just in case Bubba or Tex come at him from behind with a fucking shiv. So whether or not they'll watch him in the showers, I mean, that's another story altogether and one that's fucking gross and I don't even want to try to picture. So now the fourth thing that's on his mind is what would happen if he were convicted and sentenced, but also re-elected. I mean, could he actually run for president behind bars? And the answer by constitutional scholars is yes. Unfortunately, yes. The Constitution has very few requirements to serve as president, one of which, and the most, is being that you have to be at least 35 years of age. It does not bar anyone indicted or convicted or even serving jail time from running as president and winning the presidency. Now that said, we'd be looking at a full-blown constitutional crisis. And according to the New York Times, in theory, Mr. Trump could be stripped of his authority under the 25th Amendment, which provides a process to transfer authority to the vice president if the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. But that would require the vice president and a majority of the cabinet to declare Mr. Trump unable to fulfill his duties, a remote prospect given that these would be loyalists appointed by Mr. Trump himself. More likely, Mr. Trump could sue to be released on the basis that his imprisonment was preventing him from fulfilling his constitutional obligations as president. Now, such a case would probably focus on the separation of powers, with Mr. Trump's lawyers arguing that keeping a duly elected president in prison would be an infringement by the judicial branch on the operations of the executive branch. And in terms of granting himself a pardon, again, no one has ever fucking been shameless enough to try this. But the Constitution, well, it doesn't expressly forbid it in writing. 
Trump's decision to run again is very likely based in part on the calculation that getting reelected would be his get out of jail free card. I want people to understand this. He's only running in order to stay out of prison. Trump is currently facing a whopping 91 felony counts across four criminal cases. And in June, after he was charged by the Justice Department for his handling, or really should I say mishandling of classified documents, Fox News legal analyst Jonathan Turley opined, and I want to be clear while I agree with John in this, I fucking hate him. Here's what he said. All the government has to do is stick the landing on one count, and Trump could have a terminal sentence. You're talking about crimes that have a 10 or 20 year period as a maximum. So while he didn't go into it at depth, I want to do that right now. And let's take a look at what Trump faces in combined time in these various criminal matters. So let's start with number one, the New York case. That's the Manhattan District Attorney case. That carries a maximum of 136 years. The documents case, this is the worst of them all. This carries a maximum, get a load of this shit, 450 years. The federal elections case, a maximum of 55 years. And the fourth case, the Georgia case, a maximum of 76 and a half years. Now, I'm certainly not Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting, but I will tell you that if my math is still good enough, that's 717 and a half years behind bars. I mean, holy fuck, that's serious time. Granted, he will be found guilty on every possible count, and it's unlikely that the New York trial will ultimately sentence him for that maximum period of 100 plus years. But who knows? I mean, man, I can't fathom having that potential kind of time hanging over my head. But it's important to think about when thinking about what Trump would or would not do to keep himself out of prison. I mean, this is a man who has spent his entire life avoiding accountability and throwing others under the bus to save himself. And rest assured, nobody knows that better than me. I mean, now that Trump's life, his literal life is at stake, I think that there's nothing that he won't do. And we all must consider everything, every possibility. I mean, the possibility that he could flee to Russia or Saudi Arabia under the protection of his bestie, Vladimir Putin, or Kushner's bestie, Mohammed bin Salman, living out the rest of his days as an oligarch or some half-in-the-bag wannabe royal in exile. I mean, these are real possibilities. And speaking of Trump's already notorious meet-the-press appearance, I really do hope that special prosecutor Jack Smith was taking notes because the former president blew up a key legal defense in his January 6th case and made the Justice Department's job to win a conviction a whole lot easier. So Donald, better get ready to wear that jumpsuit, brother, because the way I see it, you are so fucking fucked. I mean, that happened when Trump asked by NBC's Kristen Welker if he was calling the shots ultimately, on trying to overturn the 2020 election, as opposed to simply taking the advice of his lawyers, the asshole responded as to whether or not I believed it was rigged. Oh, sure. 
It was my decision. I mean, this was an insanely stupid thing to say and a wildly damning admission on the ex-president's part. Trump's defense up until this part has been one basic thing. I relied on the advice of my lawyers. It's Rudy's fault. He told me what to do, but I had no criminal intent. But Trump just couldn't help himself. I mean, Welker was sitting there stroking his ego and Trump at that point, he, I mean, this guy would have taken credit for a fucking fart in a car if he saw an advantage. Basically said, nope, it was all me. I did it myself. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now for the main event. Here again to help us figure out all of the legal ramifications of everything going on in Washington, D.C., is Frank Fagluzzi. Fagluzzi is a national security contributor and a regular columnist for NBC News and MSNBC. At one time, Fagluzzi was the assistant director for counterintelligence at the FBI, where he served for 25 years as a special agent and directed all espionage investigations across the entire government. He is also the author of the national bestseller, The FBI Way, Inside the Bureau's Code of Excellence. So make sure to check out as well his excellent new show on YouTube, Frankly Speaking, where he sheds light on the work done by the FBI, illuminating why that work is so critical to the health of our nation and our national security. So with that in mind, let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Frank, 
in an interview on Deadline yesterday, in talking about the difficulty in flipping key figures in Trump world, you were quoted as saying, and here's the quote, we can absolutely compare this to both an organized crime group and a cult. Both are incredibly hard to get out of. It tears people up. If you're the FBI agent or prosecutor that's trying to flip meadows, it's incredibly difficult to do. So do me a favor if you would. Unpack for me why Meadows in particular, and anyone close to Trump for that matter, has been hard to flip. What are they afraid of? So, uh, look, no one better than you to understand what I'm about to say, but I, I come at it, Michael, from the experiences I've had in my FBI career as an investigator and then overseeing complicated cases um, and complicated cases involving organized crime, drug groups, and, and even corrupt politicians. And here's where I'm coming from. Uh, there's a number of factors here. First, uh, the, the loyalty or reluctance to flip is, is primarily driven by two factors. And you can look at them as carrot and stick. The, the, the carrot is the hope of something positive and profitable in the future if you hang in there for as long as you can. Now, in the case of Meadows, that could be someday, or any of these folks, that might be a pardon someday if Trump were to win. I think that even was reflected in the hopes of outkeepers and Proud Boys. And he still hints at that even as recently as last week, you know, on an NBC interview that, yeah, he'll consider pardoning. Oh, okay. There's that profit. There's also the profit in the sense of, hey, I might be part of another administration. If I really, truly demonstrate my loyalty, even to the point of risking my personal freedom, I might get that next position in the next cabinet or the next administration. So there's that. Let's talk about the stick. The fear is very palpable and real. Fear of alienation from your peer group, your MAGA peer group. No one's going to talk to you again. It's kind of like, you know, uh, it's kind of like, you know, Alan Dershowitz up mm -hmm. at Martha's Vineyard, who now frequently complains. No, no one invites him to, to brunch anymore because, you know, it's it's that kind of thing. You're not going to get invited to anything anymore. There's that great fear of being um, uh, the, the wrath of the MAGA peer group is very, very real. So you now imagine being that agent or prosecutor that has to come in and try to convince you to do the right thing, play for Team America and Team Democracy. But the problem is with people in Trump's circle, this is what I see at this level and, and this point in time, is they, their identity has become wrapped up mm -hmm. in Trump. And very often, very often, I will say, when you look at some of these folks, Michael, who got into the cabinet or, or in the chief of staff position, you're frequently looking at people who really, I'm, I kid you not, I don't think they could get gainful employment elsewhere. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about everybody from um, um, the, the, the Chad Wolf at DHS. You think that man's qualified to have been a cabinet secretary at the Department of Homeland Security? How about Richard Grinnell as the DNI? Um, I, I can go on and on and on. The guy who authored his horrible, let's separate the parents from kids at the border um, policy. And then look at the people who actually were qualified and had good jobs. I, I keep thinking about Rex Tillerson from the, imagine the CEO of Exxon yeah. Mobil, the global power of that 
one of the largest, most successful companies in the world who simply says, you know, I want to serve in, in the public service, right? How long does he last? A good, strong, qualified guy. He doesn't last. Why? Because he says, I I got a life. I, I got other things to do. I can go sit on boards and I don't need this aggravation. Same people, you know, who left the, the DOD and, and other positions saying, I don't need this. But when your identity is solely wrapped up in your affiliation with Trump and you've got nothing else, imagine trying to split that guy away. And yeah, get it's to difficult. But it's funny because you said that Trump was hinting to pardons, um, you know, when he was on television and talking about uh, Oath Keepers and Proud Boys and others that have gotten, as he said, unjustly, unjustly uh, prosecuted by a, a lunatic prosecutor under the request of the Bidens. And so, which there's like five lies in that seven word sentence. But I want to bring back to you something that I have been saying from literally almost day number one, that Trump talks in code. He's not going to come right out and say on national television, hey, Oath Keepers, you stay true to me, right? Your leader. And when I become your leader again, this time I will make sure that you're all pardoned these 21, 22-year sentences, 18-year sentences. They will be commuted. I will pardon everybody and so on because this whole thing is unjust. This is, again, part of Trump's code of speech, right? He's calling for omerta, since we're going to talk about mobsters, right? Code of silence. For what? He doesn't want these people turning on him. You take your lumps like Roger Stone, like, um, you know, Steve Bannon, and I will, I will ultimately pardon you as well. He's telling people quietly but loudly that you go ahead and you stay on my message. You stay true and loyal to me. And this is what you're going to get down the road when I become president again. As you said, it's a, it's a definite maybe. He uses language like, I'll consider it. Sure, I'll consider it, right? And what it does is it allows him the ultimate out. Well, I never said for sure I would do it, but he's teasing, he's teasing it. And then that allows him to put his finger up and see which way the wind is blowing when the time comes and whether it makes sense in certain cases or not, based on who might have been loyal or not. He's not loyal to anyone. Um, we, we should all know that by now. But yeah, it's it is mob speak. And it's the it's the lack of certainty that keeps him keeps him from being nailed down. But on what he did, It's not so much. This isn't like one of his shitty golf games where you pick up the grass and you drop it to see which way the wind is blowing. He knows which way the wind is blowing and it's blowing in his face and his, you know, flip flap flop is all yeah. over the place. Yeah. What he's doing, though, is he's actually telling them with in no uncertain terms, I don't think that your that your prosecution is just. It's not it's not legitimate. Right. Right. And I won't allow this right. to stand. He's saying more than just maybe yes, maybe no. But you're right. He always gives himself a way out. Even if that means yeah. that he flip-flops on a promise that he's made yeah. in the past. Why? Because he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. So, so a good point that there's more to this than just 
than just a, a, a hinting at pardons. You're right. What he's doing is even more dangerous yes. in that statement, because what he's saying to the to the world is our criminal justice system is 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 helplessly flawed and unjust. And that gets everyone worked up in the MAGA world. And that's how we get the anti-government, anti-institution, death threats against prosecutors and agents and judges. It's that constant refrain, our system's broken, it's unjust, and it can't be relied upon. I'm the only one that you should be trusting yeah, and relying well, on. You know, what he's doing, though, is he's playing on a populist belief. I believe that the DOJ needs some serious overhaul. Serious overhaul. Today I watched as Merrick Garland was up before the House Oversight Committee and Jim Bag Jordan and so many of the other Republicans are sitting there tearing into him. And I understand Merrick Garland's response, which is, listen, I took a back seat. I let this guy Weiss, who was appointed by Trump, to have total control and total rate. Well, you, you can't abdicate your authority to somebody else. Whoa, whoa, slow the fuck down. Chico, take it easy there. This is a guy who was appointed by Trump under the former administration that is now the special counsel has total autonomy over bringing the case against Hunter Biden. No problem. Why they should be upset about it, I don't really know. But here's what Donald is doing, though. All right. How many, how many years now am I screaming? How many more books do I have to write? New York Times bestseller, Revenge. How many more books do I have to write about how Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics? How come the investigation that was requested two and a half years ago, maybe even a little longer now, by Hakeem Jeffries and Ted Lieu, Another investigation that was requested of Merrick Garland to start uh, was by Senator Dick Durbin. How about requests by Dan Goldman, by Congressman Steve Cohen, by Congressman Jamie Raskin, all ignored by this administration? And the ultimate goal is to do what? To prove that Trump weaponized the DOJ using a willing and complicit, bloviated piece of shit, Bill Barr, to do his bidding to jail a critic, to make this individual, me, the first political prisoner held by his own country, by the United States of America, for failing to waive his First Amendment constitutional right. Where's the investigation? And this is the problem that Donald Trump sees. He knows he did it, and the fact that no investigation has been started, he's now taking advantage of that fact and claiming that it's being done against him. It's just merely deflection. The ultimate irony is that Jordan's uh, weaponization of government subcommittee is weaponizing government. It is the ultimate weaponization of government, and it continues. It continues even today with the judiciary testimony of Garland, as you said, um, the public bashing death by a thousand cuts of key institutions, key roles. And yes, of course, you know, Garland is boxed in. Yeah, I did cede my authority because that is the ultimate definition of a special counsel. That's why we have special counsels. So you can't claim that I'm making politically driven prosecutive decisions. Oh, so you admit you had nothing to do with these decisions. Um, yeah, 
Yes, <laughs> that, that's that's right. Uh -huh. Aha! <laughs> so like, how about how about the first one when, jo yeah. when Jordan is asking him, "Did you engage in any conversation with Joe Biden or any member of his administration regarding whether to slow track the case of Hunter Biden or within which to prosecute his leading political opponent, Donald J. Trump?" No. <laughs> well. You would think that that would stop the questioning on that topic. No, no, not for Jim Bag. Doesn't work that way. Now he has to turn around and try to dive in. Well, couldn't you say that maybe, you know, that somebody, are you telling me that nobody in your DOJ, he goes, I don't know what anybody else had conversations. I could only answer what was brought to me, to my attention, or conversations that I was involved and engaged in. And the answer to that remains no. I made a promise to the Senate at confirmation that I was not going to be political. Well, with all due respect there, pal, I think you have no choice but to be a little political here, especially why not open an investigation into the former attorney general? And why don't you see what he has done? Why don't you see what a U.S. attorney, Jeffrey Berman, acknowledged and wrote about in his book, whereby he states that the administration, the Trump administration, and Bill Barr and his office contacted him a multitude of times to discuss the case that was, brought, that was being brought against me and hoping or asking them to withdraw some of the charges that they were bringing against me that included Trump. That's wild shit. So first, yeah, it is. Uh, it's dangerous stuff. And, you know, as you well know, the purpose and point of Jim Jordan asking these questions of Garland is not to get the answer, but rather to ask right. the question repeatedly so that it keeps getting seeded into the American mind that something's wrong with this picture. He doesn't want Garland to really answer. He just needs to keep asking the question because now there becomes no distinction between the question and the answer. Um, and, you know, it's much like the age old problem of the, the, the question of when did you stop beating right. your wife? There is no answer to that question, because as soon as you're publicly denying a, a hellacious allegation, you've lost because the allegation is what lingers in the American right. mind. Right. And, and that's where we are with, with this. Uh, yeah. Well, with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So let me move on and then just ask you this as a follow-up because with some of the figures, it's almost inexplicable how they continue to stand by the former president, right? In your mind, do you think that Trump has files of compromise on these people that keep them in line? Or do you think that there's some other reason? You know, a lot of people have always said to me, did you used to keep files like the way J. Edgar Hoover used to keep files on individuals in order to keep them in line? Do you think that's what Trump did, you know, that's why these people are staying as close and as loyal to him as they are? So a couple of thoughts there. One, this goes right back to our first discussion here uh, and your first question, which is that carrot and stick problem of loyalty, right? Fear also driven by hope of profit, personal and otherwise. That's a huge component. But yes, do I think that compromise of some kind is a part of the the decision making for some of the people i i do i think it's his standard of how he conducts himself but i i want to go even further since you're talking to a counterintelligence guy right um let, we cannot we cannot escape the reality of foreign intel services and their method of operating and the the russian intelligence services and this is indeed how putin functions so I realize I'm moving into the area of conjecture here, but I'm not with regard to the findings, even way back in Bob Mueller's special counsel inquiry, that Russia absolutely, and Putin directing it, attempted to interfere in the 2016 election. That's, that is absolutely um, without question. And it, it was even more concretely determined by the GOP-controlled Senate Intelligence Committee and their report which everyone needs to read. So what am I getting at? If Putin's all about helping Trump and Putin's all about compromise, it's possible within the realm of possibility that there has been assistance provided by third parties to Trump. Sometimes Trump might even not know about it. Maybe it's just gotten Putin and others have gotten word to these people that, hey, you're kind of jammed up. Yeah. Look, let's just go back, for example, to the Steele dossier, that pile of dog shit put together. Eleven allegations raised, for example, against me. None of them are accurate. Where did that come from? Where did that compromise come from? Unreliable, unsubstantiated, unverified sources that Christopher Steele, a former MI6 guy, decided that he was going to put down in a memo and turned over, originally, I think it was supposed to go to the Hillary uh, Clinton campaign, 
when they looked at it and they said, this is a bunch of bullshit and we're not interested in it, nor are we going to pay for it. He then gave it, if I'm not mistaken, it was like to John McCain who took it and made a complete, you know, uh, show out of this whole thing. This is what Donald Trump is using in order to show how everybody is against him, right? Because what does Donald always want to be? The victim of every scenario, despite the fact he's the victim of his own doing. He certainly acts like and threatens um, compromise. And there's no more recent example. Well, maybe even more recent. But look at what he said about Ron DeSantis repeatedly. Oh, I'm going to expose things about Ron. Oh, you know what? He better be careful. I've got dirt on Ron. And then the rumor mill starts. Right. And there's no there's no putting that back in the bottle if you're DeSantis. It's like what now this whole machine is out there, you know, conjecturing. Well, what is it? What's, what's he with? What's he done? And it's that's that's a way uh, Trump yeah, it's operates. as big a bunch of bullshit as when he claimed that he was sending um, people to Hawaii and Kenya in order to validate the fact that Barack Obama was not right. born in Hawaii, but rather was born outside of the country. I mean, this is right. what he does. And the media lops it up. They just jump onto it oh, like a Barney a Greengrass yeah. bagel with a schmear. They just fucking throw it right on there, right, with big giant globs, and they run with it, and it takes on a life of its own. And he knows that. He knows that he's able to play the media as well as he does. Look, you even have folks like Preet Bara, right, who turned around and, to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of Preet's. You know, I, I'm, I'm really not. I think that there's a lot more that he could be and should be doing. He should be holding, as far as I'm concerned, the Southern District of New York, as well as the DOJ, more accountable for the things that he knows that they have done in the way that they've worked in the past. You know, nothing bothers me more than when I speak to friends of mine who are former prosecutors. And they say to me in regard to how I was treated. This is standard operating procedure. And I'm saying, what the fuck are you talking about, SOP? How? They held a gun to my wife's, a proverbial gun to my wife's head and said, if you don't plead guilty in 48 hours, 48 hours of Friday at 5.30 p.m. to Monday, we're filing an 80-page indictment that's going to include your wife on the campaign finance violation regarding, you know, and the payments uh, coming back to us from Trump regarding Stormy Daniels. Well, listen, I'm going on my 29th anniversary next week or in two weeks, and I can tell you there was no way in the world that I was going to let her get dragged into this bullshit, and I suspect that you would do exactly the same. Well, he knows Preet knows, and he should be coming forward. And these investigations, in order to show the danger of somebody with a mentality, with an autocratic mentality like Donald Trump, who has these willing and complicit people around him doing his bidding, the danger to democracy that he poses. And I don't think people are taking it serious enough. You start violating people's First Amendment rights... You start holding their spouses or their children or others 
you know, um, as a hostage, right, under these circumstances, listen, if I did that, I could have you walking down Fifth Avenue butt-ass naked, quacking like a duck. Do you really care? As long as you are protecting your family, your children, your, you know, uh, what, what wouldn't you do to protect them? And the answer is nothing. And they know it. And they use that in order to obtain these convictions. Look, I'm not the one saying it. It's actually, it was Judge uh, Jed Rakoff here at the Southern District of New York that says the entire process is no good and that it is an unequal system and there needs to be an impartial judge involved in any of these plea deals to ensure that they're not being coerced. That's from Judge Jed Rakoff, and I totally agree with him. I think the system needs an overhaul and serious. Trump is taking advantage of that popularist view. Trump, so you're right. Bill Under Bill Barr, Jeff Sessions, um, the Trump DOJ was abusive and took, you know, for years, we've assumed certain things about our system, right? That essentially it would be populated by people operating in good faith who would try to do the right thing most of the time. And therefore, we didn't need to proscribe chapter mm -hmm. and verse of everything that had to take place like you're suggesting now interestingly your friend suggested you know involving perhaps judges or magistrates in certain plea deals and decision making in interesting um but we've assumed you know this pretty much works because people operate you know in good faith well you know what we've seen unprecedented bad faith uh, in the last several years and that needs to get addressed in the form of filling some gaps and, and requiring additional oversight and mechanisms that prevent things like this from happening in the future. Yeah. I mean, look, one of the things that they also turn around and say is that prosecutors are no longer worried about prosecution. They're worried about conviction. That's all that they care about. And the first thing that they tell you when you fall into the system, I have a 98% conviction rate. If you think that you're going to be part of that 2%. Oh, by the way, let me just tell you that we're going to hit you with this. We're going to hit you with that. We're going to do a forfeiture. We're going to hit you with this fee and that fee. And if you don't plead guilty, we're going to give you a three or a five point increase, which could extend the term of your incarceration by another 10 years. Right. These are the things that guys like Tom McKay or Nick Roos or Andrea Griswold or, uh, you know, any of the other prosecutors that were on the line regarding my case. Where do they all go? Well, you got McKay goes to Morvillo. You got the other one goes to McDermott, Will and Emery. You got uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jeffrey Berman goes to another big firm. Another guy goes to uh, Robert Kazami goes off to uh, one of the gigantic hedge funds, you know, making seven figures plus a year. They're not competent. They're not qualified. These are people that hold all the power over you. And no different than, than a hostage crisis or a hostage situation. It is the hostage taker that has all the power because just as soon as, you, as they see themselves losing the argument, they change the rules. They go ahead, they change the rules. They have unlimited power, unlimited access, unlimited, you know, um, uh, uh, employees, you know, within which, and they hold all the cards because they change the rules on you as soon as they see they're losing.
So, so let me um, acknowledge and and tell you, I hear what you're saying. I I am going to have to give my perspective on this, lest all our listeners think the entire federal judicial system is, uh, or excuse me, the prosecutor system is corrupt. Um, it's not. It's populated largely by career prosecutors, many of whom are friends of mine and I worked with for, for 25 years. The, the conviction rates you're talking about, yes, those are particularly true at the federal level. It's un unbelievable, almost really incredulous when you read the stats, not what, 98 percent. If the, the people who throw the dice and decide to go to trial, they lose in huge numbers. Um, very few people decide to do that. The vast majority plead out. Um, and, and so I like to think, you know, here's here's just my perspective. You know where I come from, that a lot of that, those numbers come from overwhelming investigative evidence. In other words, when unlike a DA's office in, you know, pick your pick your place in America that has extremely limited resources and has to has to push through an ungodly number of prosecutions a week. Right. I mean, the trials of an ADA in a big city are just, are really depressing. They, I mean, you know, not unheard of to have three trials a week for an assistant DA in a big city. Ridiculous, right? But change it to the feds. Now you've got FBI, ATF, DEA, postal inspectors, you know, I, I can keep going, all with really trained, skilled investigators and prosecutors who don't have to push anything. They're going to pick and choose the case that's wrapped up in a bow. Um, and that is daunting when you present that to defense counsel and say, here's the wiretaps, the undercover agents and the informants. Right. And, you know, have a nice day. And so you get these pleas in huge numbers. So I, I come at it slightly differently, but I under I understand where you're well, coming. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, let me move on then, because we can sit and talk about this, <laughs> you know, ad infinitum. But... I want to go back to when Trump cryptically says things, right? As I was saying, he talks in code. But what about when Trump cryptically says about Mark Meadows, and I'm going to quote Trump here, he hopes he remains loyal to him. What do you think he's really saying between the lines? I obviously know the answer, and I'm going to chime in, but I'm curious from your background as an FBI yeah. As an FBI guy, what do you think he's really saying here? Well, I, I'm going to I am going to rely on my FBI background, because <laughs> if you think we've heard this before, yes. you're right. We have. We've heard it before with regard to FBI director Jim Comey, who you know was now infamously called to the White House for what he thought was some kind of group dinner. It turned out to be him and Trump in a room and Trump asking for loyalty if Comey wanted to remain FBI director and Comey choosing to not directly answer the question, rather saying, I'll remain true to the Constitution or something like that. And ultimately, what happened shortly thereafter, Comey, of course, was fired, in part because failing the loyalty test and in part, of course, continuing the Russia investigation. So we've seen the loyalty test before, and now we're seeing it in the form of essentially what I'll call witness tampering or intimidation 
without a doubt, without a doubt, what Trump is doing is sending the not so subtle message that you better remain loyal to me or you are going to face the consequences of that. It's a problem. Yeah, and the consequences aren't just worrying about these MAGA lunatics that are willing to do his bidding. I just want to reference, he sued me in the Southern District of Miami for $500 million, a half a billion dollars because he's claiming that I gave information about him that I shouldn't have or that was negative to him, that harmed his reputation, as if I could harm his reputation worse than he could harm his own, right? These are the things that he does. So Mark Meadows, if you want a $500 million lawsuit against you, and by the way, he brought that case not just against Mark Meadows, right, uh, or to warn Mark Meadows. It's basically to warn anyone and everyone considering providing any information to law enforcement against him. That's what he's doing. So, yes, it is. Nothing shy of obstruction of justice, witness tampering, and so on. With two elements, right? You mentioned, you know, there's there's the fear of the physical fear yes. of violence, which let's not forget. Let's not forget within minutes uh, or seconds of him on January 6th tweeting, uh, Pence didn't didn't back us. Pence didn't have our back. Something like that. We see the calls, the chance of the crowd. Uh, to hang Mike Pence. You want to talk about violent intimidation, fear as intimidation. So Meadows thinking about that. And then, as you said, yeah, there's also the fear of the financial, right? Also, I'll just keep suing you and tie you up in endless amounts of legal fees because I I can outlast you with with legal uh, uh, fee litigation fees. He's doing it in the last 24 hours. I learned, uh, maybe you knew this, I did not. He's suing the state court judge in New York that's presiding over the judge James Goron. case. Yes. Uh, yes. 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 He's suing the judge. And so he's trying to create his own conflict, which, the, by the way, the law and precedent says you can't claim a conflict what, and you created. But what he's going to do is say, oh, this judge can't possibly be fair and neutral because I'm suing him. Yes. You decided to sue yes. him and created the conflict. <laughs> you can't make yeah. this up. But yeah. let's not also forget after attacking the FBI on a regular basis, which he does, and law enforcement, which blows my mind. And I know most of the people that are attackers of me or haters of me and my hashtag Team Cohen are bots put out by these bot farms. They all seem to be former law enforcement, former military, former police officers. I don't buy any of that shit. It was Donald Trump who after making certain attacks on the FBI, August 11th of 2022, you may remember Ricky Walter Schiffer, this 42-year-old guy, attempted to breach the FBI's Cincinnati field office, right, in Ohio, with an AR-15 rifle and a nail gun. This was done, why? Because Trump incited it, plain and simple. And for whatever his MAGA 
reasoning for doing it and whatever the reason that the MAGA supporters refuse to acknowledge that this attack on an FBI field, could you imagine how stupid you have to be? It's like walking in. I don't give a fuck if you have an AR-15 and you have a nail gun. You're walking into an FBI field office where every single member of the FBI is armed to the teeth with not one, but probably a backup piece on them as well. How far did you think you were going to get? The answer is he didn't care. He wanted to die because he was serving the master. So that didn't care part. So yes, indeed, in first investigators concluded that he, that guy was absolutely driven by the uh, execution of the search warrant at Mar-a-Lago by the FBI. That That's what triggered him. But, but months, if not years of social media posts indicating that he was over the edge with with MAGA nonsense. But that part you just said, he and he did not care. He did not care about his personal survival and well-being. That scares the hell out of me because where have I seen that in my career? International mm -hmm. terrorism, right? The concept of mar martyrdom, violent jihad, uh, a, a future in paradise, and we're seeing it now in the form even more recently of the guy in Provo, Utah, Craig Richardson, right. who the FBI came to arrest for threatening, threatening to kill Joe Biden, Alvin Bragg, um, um, even FBI agents who were investigating him and decided, knowing this is going to end very badly for him, reportedly NBC News and other platforms saying he swung a weapon toward, despite all the commands and, and attempts at negotiation, uh, he swung a, a weapon toward the agents. That's the end of your day. He doesn't care because it's a sense of martyrdom that has now been implanted in people. So, yeah, we're in a highly, highly dangerous. Well, I mean, didn't Trump do the same thing with Ashley Babbitt, making her into a martyr? Right. Uh, and martyr. so and this is martyr. all of a sudden this is Capitol Police. This is FBI. This is, you know, this is the Biden law enforcement that I mean, the, the whole thing is just. Absurd and worse than absurd, Frank. If I could quote you on it, it's dangerous. That's what this is. This is dangerous. Look, um, we may discuss this further if you wish, but a study came out in July from the University of Chicago, right? That found um, a, this is startling well over 12 million Americans said they agree that the use of force might be necessary to restore Donald Trump to the Oval Office. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, so here we are with that environment. Um, I merely posted on my YouTube channel and in other places the results of that survey, and I got threats just because I talked about the survey. And and the the, the response was from these folks was, oh, there's more than 12 million of us. Oh, you better add me to that bunch, because this isn't a fight just for Donald Trump. This is a fight for the future of America. So they, they bought it hook, line and sinker. And again, in international terrorism, my training is when you find somebody willing to die for their cause, you, you've got a force to be reckoned with. And here the cause is not democracy or America. It is indeed a political party led by a cult leader. So in watching this case in Georgia, right, and the other federal cases against Trump for election subversion, do you think that Meadows is the most important witness that they can get against Trump? Also, other than Meadows, 
Who else are you watching that you think could flip? And then what impact do you think that any of that will have on any of these trials? So, um, you know, we sometimes say in the intelligence community that we don't know what we don't know. So there, there could theoretically be someone out there who has incredible amounts of damning information that we're simply not yet fully aware of. However, going on just what we know, yes, Mark Meadows is absolutely at or near the top of the list that people could that of people who could do Trump in prosecutively. There's no question about that because of his proximity, his knowledge in, you know, being in the room, as they say, and this really mixed hybrid role that a chief of staff plays. So you know, I, I'm not among the people saying that it's totally ludicrous for Meadows to have tried, attempted to claim that this was part of his duties, right? I, 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 Yes, of course I saw it was destined for failure, but the mixed nature of being chief of staff puts you in this weird role where you're doing a couple of things at once, maybe four or five things. You've got this campaign going on that you're not supposed to really get involved with when you have your government official hat on, but it bleeds over. So he, why am I saying this? He knows a lot from, from the two hats and maybe three or four illegal hats that he was wearing, clearly. Um, but but also I've got my eyes focused on um, on um, the guy the guy that's still his body man, still walking Walter around Nod- with Trump Walter everywhere. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Walter Nada, you want to talk about proximity and knowing everything and, and at least hearing everything, that guy has got to be the focus of tremendous attention by investigators and prosecutors. And then, of course, even more recently, we've got this kind of revelation regarding the secretary, Molly, right? Boy, the admin or whatever we want to call her in my history of investigations, you want to know things, you go straight to that that admin, that secretary, and we've got to stay tuned with her. She's she's going to do damage. She already has with regard to mm-hmm. her revelation that she'd get to do lists, taskings that were written by Trump on the handwritten by Trump on the back of classified documents. So, um, yeah, this is going to yeah, be. I mean, how how fucking stupid do you have to be? You can't find a piece of paper. I mean, you're going to write it. It's you, scrap right. paper to him. It's you know, scrap it's, paper. Now I could see yeah. him turning and saying, you see, you see, I didn't think it was anything important. So I wrote a to-do list on the right. back of it. Bullshit. It's like he doesn't, he doesn't have the ability to think past his nose. He knew exactly what he was taking, you know, and he wanted to take it. And the question, of course, becomes not what he took, but who he showed it to. Who he discussed the content of that. You really want to talk about placing the United States' national security in jeopardy? Right then and there, in that office at Trump, in that toilet at Trump Mar-a-Lago, that is the national security of the United States of America at risk by a guy who doesn't give two shits about anyone or anything other than himself. As far as he's concerned, if the United States got attacked, that's great. Just don't do it on my property. That's it. I don't care. Yeah. Look, look if, you, if you want to get a sense of that, if people think we're exaggerating that threat, let, let's not forget that we have found foreign nationals, even people tied to China and, yep. and their government, 
uh, traipsing around uh, at Mar-a-Lago, attempting to penetrate, some of them still unresolved investigations. And then look at Jack Smith's filings where he, he, he shoots a rough estimate in there about the number, the thousands of people who routinely traipse through Mar-a-Lago as part of wedding receptions, bar yep. mitzvahs, blah, 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 just, just hanging out, playing golf, that just walk in and out of there. It's in the thousands on a regular basis. And if you think that that material wasn't compromised, uh, you're crazy. Yeah, I you're agree crazy. with you. But you recently, Frank, wrote that Trump remains a clear and present danger to the rule of law and the judicial process based on Jack Smith asking Judge Chutkin for a limited gag order on Donald. So if you would, unpack for me what Trump is doing and how Jack Smith can stop him vis-a-vis -vis the judge. So, yeah, that's a hard one. But but what he's doing, let's let's look at it from a macro level and then a micro level. On a macro level, it's the continued attempts to, to death by a thousand cuts of our key institutions and the rule of law. He's convincing people more than ever that they can never accept the findings of an investigation or a prosecution or a judge. And once once you've done that, once you've destroyed Americans reliance on the credibility of the system, it is it is all hell can break loose. So he's been doing that his entire tenure as president and continues. And that worries me tremendously about the future of our of the democracy, at least as we know it. I think we're moving toward a, a democracy that does eventually will not look um, like the democracy you and I grew up under. Secondly, let's go to the, the micro level. The threats the, the intimidation factor, the constant barrage of derogatory, demeaning comments against the judge, the prosecutor, is ultimately going to lead to a very tough ability, a tough voir dire, the ability to pick a jury that already we hear already in January 6 cases of the people who breached security on January 6 at the Capitol. We hear stories of jurors asking the judge in those unrelated cases, right? Hey, is uh, these are pretty violent people we're sitting on juries for. Uh, do they know our identities? Do they get our home address? Is already bleeding into the jury pool in the District of Columbia. It's going to make it very tough. And that this is just the beginning. We've got um, we've got uh, Cheeseboro, who actually got a judge to agree down in Georgia that you know what you can have access to the grand jury that indicted you. We're going to have to go through this together. I'll limit the questions. But yeah, you can you can lay eyes on the grand jury and talk. to them. Wow. So think of that ripple effect moving forward, trying to seat a jury and the threat environment we're going to be in. As because a we've leader. never had a situation where there's so much anger over a specific case, over a specific individual. Right. We've never seen this before where people are willing to give up their lives, that people are willing to do things that are, you know, just right. morally reprehensible, all in the name of yeah. protecting someone who doesn't give a shit about them. I mean, I think it's truly amazing. But, you know, one of the things that I constantly hear from pundits on television and you have sat on panels and listened to the same people saying it. Well, you know, if Donald does this, I mean, I've been on the MSNBC, CNN circuit, you know, on this topic just way too long. Well, if Donald doesn't stop, Judge Chutkin can easily hold him in contempt. Right. And so on. And I said, on uh, fuck you, bullshit. 
no matter what you want to say, Donald Trump is never going to be jailed for contempt because he continues to do what the judge ordered him not to do. I don't care how how specific that gag order is. No one is going to jail Trump. Nobody. And the worst part about it, he fucking knows it too. That's the biggest problem. He knows that it's a bullshit, it's a bullshit bluster. And the fact that they're now challenging him. Yeah, you want to you wanna jail me for contempt? Fuck you. Let me see you do it. But nobody has the balls to do it. Well, he, he certainly showed no signs of fearing that because he, he went on true social immediately after that filing and continued to harangue everybody in the system. So, look, here's where I am on this. And I want to be careful. I want to try to explain this as well as I can, because last time I publicly tried to explain this on television, people, some people misunderstood me. So let me try this, where I am on this idea of contempt and jailing Trump. Um, okay. It's a no win for the system and for democracy-loving Americans. Here's what I mean by this. Um, yes, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for a judge like Chutkin to do this. I think um, he'll get warnings, double, triple, quadruple warnings and admonishments, because I do get the fact that we're dealing for the first time in our history with a man who is running for president while he's four times indicted. I, I get the I get the subtleties there, man. We got we got to be careful about the future of jailing people who are running for office in the future who may or may not be the victims of political attacks um, and and weaponization of the system. So you're going to see him coddled and treated, and people will be up in arms about this. They'll say, Judge Shutkin, why 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 the third warning? Why the fourth warning? Because We've got these issues. Now, let's say for the sake of argument that she goes ahead and has had enough and it's getting very dangerous. And she goes, you know what? I, you've been warned and rewarned and you're, you're, you're ratcheting up the danger. Maybe even, sadly, Michael, maybe somebody gets hurt. Maybe somebody dies. And she goes, that's it. You're, you're jailed for contempt. He wins. This, this, this is the ultimate victim. He will mm -hmm. run his campaign from jail, from lockup, he will claim he has been silenced. He's already claimed that on, on social media. And his base may actually grow and strengthen because now a man trying to win, a guy who's leading in polls, particularly for his party way ahead, we've jailed him. So this is this is a losing proposition. And I fear if I'm if I'm called in by Judge Chutkin, I won't be, but 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 marshals and, and FBI may be. And, and say, and she says, give me a threat picture, an assessment of what happens if I pop him in, in lockup. Those investigators have, and analysts have got to say to her, look, you do what you need to do, comma. However, we see violence on the horizon more than ever if he's behind bars. We'll back you, Judge, but understand we're on unchartered territory here. Now, when I said that on TV, people on social media went, my God, Frank said uh, uh, Trump should never be in prison for anything. No, 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 no. He just said, I'm a threat and risk guy. And I'm telling you, I see a threat and risk problem when he is jailed for contempt. So this morning, for example, we have UNGA, the United Nations General Assembly, going on here in New York right now. And there's police officers and FBI and Secret Service agents everywhere. And every day I go and I get my coffee over by the Regency, the St. Ambrose and so on. It's, it's my thing. I met a journalist there. Uh, 
And there's this one young lady that I was talking to today, adorable, right? FBI agent, right? From the New Jersey office. And so on. And she came in because there's so much that's going on uh, over by there. We had uh, Bibi Netanyahu uh, that was in movement and so on. And I thanked her and the other FBI agents that are there securing the, you know, the, the street and the location as they do. And I thanked them all for their service and for what they're doing to keep, you know, not just the diplomats and the dignitaries safe, but all of us safe. Right. I, I, I did. And. The reason that I was especially thankful to all of them is I had just finished writing up a bunch of these questions that I was going to ask you. And the one question that I want to ask you, which, again, is one of the reasons why I think she was she's really lovely. I mean, you know, and and, you know, energetic and spunky. And you know, she was telling me that you know she really has no issue other than she's interrupting people's flow of traffic uh, on this specific street and people get angry and they yell at them. And I'm like, huh? I mean, really? Can you explain to me What's going on right now with the creation of this standalone FBI unit whose sole job, I can't believe, I mean, this is crazy to me, whose sole job is to investigate and mitigate threats against agents who have been threatened by folks who believe that the FBI has gone soft on Hunter Biden. I mean, this to me is truly amazing. You're now going to threaten an FBI agent? Are you out of your fucking mind? That in and of itself, but you're threatening them because you think the FBI has gone soft on Hunter Biden. I mean, how crazy have things gotten that something like this even exists? So I want to tell you, obviously, this is very personal for me. I, I, I became a part of that agency and they became a part of who I am. Uh, 25 years. Um, I wrote a book, The FBI Way, that was a national bestseller because Trump was bashing the agency to a point where I needed to tell the story of what it really does for a living. And the men who I dedicated the book to the men and women of the Bureau. Okay. Never before has the FBI had to take as seriously as now the threats against its own employees. And by the way, their family members, their family members, as FBI agents sign affidavits for searches and and, um, and arrest warrants, they become identified. There'll, there'll be more as they testify in these various trials. These are many, in many ways, FBI investigations. So the public will learn the names of agents. Um, and look, it's horrible that agents might have to be sending their family members away um, when they, you know, after they testify or put their name on an affidavit. But never before has the agency that is sworn to protect us now have to figure out how to protect itself from us. Um, it is unheard of in American history to this extent. Um, and it, it tells us all we need to know about the success that Trump mm -hmm. has already had in eroding any credibility in our institutions. NBC News poll about two months ago showed us that only 37 percent of Americans believe uh, the FBI has credibility. That's an all time record low in America. 
That is Trump. Now, I could say, yes, there have been some mistakes made. Yes, yes, yes. We can talk about Comey and Hillary and all of that. Absolutely. They need to own some of that. But 37 percent approval rate, that's Trump's work. And I had a discussion the other day with somebody, Michael, who I, you know, we were talking about, oh, what happens if Trump wins or what happens to the institutions? They've already planned to do away with civil service protections in in, uh, in the government so they can hire and fire career federal employees at will if they don't like what they're working on. So, and, you know, the guy said to me, you want to talk about um, if Trump wins, let's talk about the possibility that he's already won. And I said, what, what do you mean he's already won? And he pointed mm -hmm. to this, right? The fact that we now know that there's a unit trying to save the lives of FBI members and their families, that that we know from Washington Post reporting that high levels of the FBI Washington field office got in a loud disagreement with DOJ over whether the evidence existed to even justify a search of Mar-a-Lago. There was debate over that, right? I don't want this to happen on my watch. What's going to happen to me if I sign off on this? So he may in some ways have already won with regard to the impact he's having on our institutions. So and question for you then, and I'm ecstatic that this um, standalone FBI unit was formed. I don't believe that anybody should be attacking an FBI agent, law enforcement, you know, for doing their job. I, I'm a firm believer. But where's the unit in order to protect witnesses who are being subpoenaed, like myself, to testify? All right, let me be very clear about this. My life has not been easy. My family's life has not been easy. I have testified before seven congressional committees. I have been before the district attorney, including twice for a grand jury, 23 times. I have been before the attorney general a handful of times, as well as a series of other um, matters that I was subpoenaed in order to provide testimony to. Who's worrying about me? Who's worrying about my family? And the answer is nobody. So you are 100% Frank. Frank, you're 100% correct. He's already won. He's put the fear of fucking God in everyone. You think that when I go out that my heart's not racing? I know for a fact it is because now I'm on all sorts of fucking medication. I've never been, I've never had high blood pressure. I've never had PTSD. Let's take a look at my fucking Twitter feed. Right. I'm up at two thirty in the morning because I hear something and it. It's like, you know, I have I have this this ongoing and never ending fear and cold, you know, from the air conditioning. My wife likes it. God damn it. So cold in the bedroom when she sleeps. Right. It, I have this thing because how cold it was up in Otisville. Uh, it was insanely cold and the, the doors didn't close. There was gaps. There was a butler building with no insulation. It was 40 degrees on my bed during the winter. I have, I have trigger issues and a, with, if, like with my feet get cold, it just triggers me to wake up. My point is who's worrying about the people who are being subpoenaed to come in and to testify. And unlike the people like Mark Meadows or the Steve Bannons or the Jim Jordans, I'm not ignoring subpoenas. I'm not going to be held in contempt for failing to provide testimony, to hold Donald accountable. That's the smartest move for me to make. I have to say, fuck you. 
What protection are you providing me and my family? Only do I need to become a martyr for your cause because you want me to be on the stand? This isn't a joke. So I'm ecstatic that they have the standalone unit for people who are carrying multiple firearms and are significantly trained. But what about the rest of us assholes? Where is our unit? So the, the message that you're conveying here is that Trump has caused the cost and consequences of doing the right thing to reach a price point, so to speak, that is unworkable and unviable for most people. Um, and what really concerns me, uh, and again, feeling tremendous empathy for what you and your family particularly have gone through and the sacrifice of having chosen to do what's right, what concerns me moving forward is what we've been talking about, which was how do you secure witnesses and what's coming? What's coming is hellacious trials, right? State and federal. How do you secure the prosecutors? How, do they all get guns? Do they all get training? The judges have U.S. Marshals. Are they going to get round the clock? Door to door security? Maybe they already have. How about the jurors? Our neighbors, our friends who are going to get called to jury duty, not, not knowing that they're responding to a jury du duty summons that puts them in jeopardy and their families. Can you prevent them from getting followed home and identified? You have an open courtroom in Georgia with the media there and a television feed. Yes, they won't be on camera, but what steps are going to be taken? And really, what kind of law enforcement resources is all of this going to going to mean and require and cost you and me as taxpayers for an extended period of time? A protracted, I mean, a protracted high risk threat environment is extremely expensive to uh, to mitigate. When you're the one that you know people are threatening you and your family, you don't really care about the cost. Fuck it. The government, you know, it's the cost is less than one missile that we're sending over, you know, to, you know, foreign countries or what we're doing there. Yeah, I'm worried about myself. And, you know, I don't need my family to turn around and to go down in the history books, you know, to be very honest with you, so that Trump is held accountable and fortune and hopefully that democracy prevails. But Frank, look, the hour goes by quickly. I have one more question because it goes right to the same topic here. Because you have people like Matt Gates, Congressman Matt Gates of Florida, who are warning mm -hmm. of bloodshed from Trump supporters as a direct result of all of this that's going on right now in Trump land. Do you as a, do you as a yeah. former and a knowledgeable FBI guy, a guy who's done this sort of stuff for how many years? Four decades, right? You take these threats seriously from an ass clown like Matt, right? Or... Does the mere fact, or oh, yeah. does the mere fact that he says shit like this, is it just normalizing the violence for the people that are going to go out and commit it? So we better take. So the answer is yes. I take it seriously, and yes, it's normalizing violence, and it, we better not become numb to it. You know, this gets into the this earlier question we talked about, which was, you know, whether Trump ever gets held in held in contempt. What we're going to increasingly see, Michael, is the use of proxies or surrogates like Matt Getz. We saw him, I don't know, three or four weeks ago at the Iowa State Fair with Trump standing alongside him, Trump simply quiet but nodding his head in affirmation as Getz says to the crowd, only by use of force mm -hmm. 
will we make change happen in Washington, yes. right? And then he doesn't quote it down after that. You just quoted a subsequent line where he says, talks about bloodshed in America. Yes. And, you know, you may think, well, people are, are walking away from this. No, I remind you of the University of Chicago study, over 12 million people fined with violence to get Trump back into office. And I keep telling people, law enforcement has to get it right every single day. A, a single lone yep. actor, violent intentions, only has to get it right once. That's right. once. Yeah. Well, look, Frank, thank you so much for, again, joining me on Mea Culpa. I, there's... There's so much that we could we could talk for days upon days and still be as confused as when we start the conversation. I can't believe that this is what has become of America. I can't believe that this is what um, a former president, normally the former president, drifts off into the sunset like a Jimmy Carter helping to build habitats for humanity. You have Barack Obama and George Bush, along with Bill Clinton, doing God's work, going out there and, you know, interceding in all sorts of, you know, uh, important civil rights type issues. Instead, we have this other former president who's out there calling for death and destruction and damage and and you know <laughs> rewriting the constitution and i'm i'm so saddened for america i can't believe this is really where we're at but can't thank you enough for joining me today try to shed some light to my listeners on this because your voice is so desperate and it's so desperately needed so for that i thank you Michael, thanks, thanks for the discussion. It's an important one. And let's remember the cost and consequences of doing the right thing should not stop any of us from doing what's right. Yeah, well, thank you, Frank. Appreciate you, my brother. And now for today's mea culpa. The idea that Trump could end up behind bars in an orange jumpsuit, well, it's something too amazing to fathom lest I jinx it for the nation. Until then, it's tempting to try and get inside the man's head and wonder what the hell he could be thinking about right now. So beyond his very basic fears of prison, the answer is a resounding, not too much. Like any fucking narcissist, Trump lacks the ability for self-reflection. There is absolutely no part of him sitting down weeping wondering how he could have made such a terrible mess of his life. Nor is he sorry about any of it. The beauty of Donald Trump is that he will maintain his posture of innocence beyond the point of no return. Even when he's found guilty, even when he's put into an itchy orange jumpsuit, and even when he's forced to perp walk into prison, the guy will continue his refrain of innocence. But at that point, his voice will be rendered mute, inconsequential, worthless. There will be no resistance riding to his rescue. The game will be over, and with it, the MAGA nightmare. I mean, this is the only way to end this nightmare and end this nonsense. Put the man behind bars and say once and for all, enough is enough, good fucking riddance. And with that, as always, thanks for listening. 
Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. Oh.